Garcia, and I am married to Greg Garcia, and we have a two and a half year old daughter, Audrey Day. We have been at Cross City for over 10 years. My husband grew up here, and I am started coming here as a young single and have been involved basically since I moved to Texas. When I think about the ULIS Campus Project, I am excited about the fact that we are focusing on all generations um, and that we are looking to minister to young families in a way that our current building has unintentionally inhibited us. It, in some ways, it's prevented us from being able to reach families um, just because of the physical location of some of the buildings and the way that things have been structured. And I feel like we have used our facilities to the best of our ability. Um, we have done everything we can to use them well, but there is a need for something better. There will be a better Cross City Church in the end. Um, we will be able to, to connect in ways we've not been able to connect. Um, it will be a place for moms to meet and fellowship. Um, it will be a place for families to worship together. And um, it will be a place for true community to happen. I feel like we are at a launching point. We are at a, a pivotal point in our church history. And um, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about what is coming and what God is gonna do in the midst of us. I just love what Ashley said just a moment ago on video. You know, one of the exciting things about this project and our commitment to communicate with you about it uh, is that it will be transformative. It will be a once-in-a-generation kind of change in our, in our church life and our church ministries. And one of the things that you want to know, one of the things you need to see is, is that the placement of the buildings that we plan to build uh, are in a place where the logistics are so close together. I'm gonna to put a picture on the screen. The primary picture that we're working with is the picture of our facility blueprint with the orange being the emphasized. We have plans to remove building B, which is our A-frame, and replace it with two floors designed for children and for students. And we want the best possible facilities we can for children, the best possible facilities we have for students because Young families matter because students matter and children matter. It really is an incredibly important thing. Right now, we're not a user-friendly campus in the sense of one door to walk into, one front door, and then easy logistics where a family can look to the right and see preschool. This plan lets them also look to the left as they walk in and see children, look to the left and see teenagers and students. And that whole idea of this building is to transform our campus. Now we'll transform it on the outside as well. We'll show you later slides of that at another time. But what we want you to know is this is not a small uh, improvement project. This is big. And because it's big, we're communicating every single week. But two weeks from today in particular, we're going to be communicating for about 25, 30 minutes in the service. And so I want to encourage you not to miss that day. If you miss that day, you'll miss some of the most important information and the updated details of this project. We don't want you to miss that. And we're all angling towards, moving towards a June 23rd decision point where we're asking the Lord all along, Lord, is this of you? Lord, what's my part? Lord, would you please bless your people as we reach out to the next generation? We call this what's next, these little announcements, because this is about five years and 10 years and 20 years down the road looking back and saying, 
we did the best possible thing with all that God has given us here at the Euless campus of Cross City Church. And we want to know what the mind of the Lord is for that. So pray with us about that. And uh, if you'll do that, that's what we need. All right. Well, God bless you. Take the word today. Take your Bibles today. If you have your Bibles in hand or your iPhone or uh, Android or a tablet where you read the Bible from, just say amen. Would you do that? All right. 74, I think, if you said it. Well, I've got it ready. I want all of you to have it ready. And take it to John chapter 1 today. John chapter 1. Our series has been Jesus, One and Only. Right, in this series, we've been looking at how John identifies Jesus in John chapter 1. And we've looked at the fact that John identifies Jesus as being co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent with God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. That's verse 1 of John 1. Last week we looked at the fact that Jesus is not only coexistent, co-eternal, co-equal with God, but He is creator of all that has been created. We talked about creation. Today we're going to talk about how Jesus is the life and light of your life. So let's stand together as we read John 1, beginning in verse 1, all the way through verse 12. And here's what the Bible says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In other words, there was nothing in existence, and everything now in existence was brought into existence by Jesus. That's amazing. It's powerful. Verse 4. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this would be John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was that true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. That's a key phrase. Keep that in mind. Enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, that is his own people, the Jewish people, and those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him. Somebody say amen there. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. I'm so grateful for this text. I'm so grateful for all the depths of wisdom in this passage, and we'll look at it right now. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to us about how we are to see Jesus as our life and our light. And as we walk through this text, transform us in the way we view all of life. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Please be seated. So Jesus... Is life and light. You say, well, I already knew that. I've heard that before because we always talk about Jesus being the light of the world. We sing songs about Jesus being the light of the world. But John digs into this idea of life and light in an incredibly simple, at the same time, profound way. Now, in our series, we've been saying some things that Jesus has said in the Gospels. For example, in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus there made this proclamation, just like John said about Jesus, I am the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you really want to know what life is all about, I'm going to tell you what it's all about. We also highlighted a statement, a question Jesus asked Peter and all the disciples in the Gospel of Matthew, and here was the question. He said, who do men say that I am? And they gave various answers, and then he said, who do you say that I am? 
And the penetrating question that all of us need to answer is, we need to know who Jesus is. And if Jesus were to ask you today, who do you say that I am? How will you answer that? Is Jesus just a, a great teacher? Is Jesus just a prophet? Is Jesus just a figure in the New Testament? Or is he more? And John's goal in the Gospel of John is so that you might believe who Jesus says he is fully. Who do you say that I am? Jesus asked all of us today. And then we come to this text about life and light. And you know, I've got to tell you that that as we look at the character of, of God through, through this uh, John chapter one and the character of who Jesus is, it is an immense and amazing theological truth about Jesus that we need to highlight. I'm gonna put something on the, on the screen again. This something on the screen again is the diagram that I used last week. And, and what I want you to see is when the Bible explains who Jesus is, it helps us know that Jesus is a member of the Godhead. That is God is one God, but three persons. If you look at the phrase or look at the, uh, at the diagram, you'll see a, a triangle that's in red, and that triangle represents God. One God, three persons. You see the person of the Father, God the Father. You see the person of the Son, that would be Jesus, God the Son. You see the person of the Holy Spirit. And as you read on beyond John, you see Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts demonstrates how the Holy Spirit was poured out into the lives of all believers. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God, but there are three distinct persons in the Godhood. Look at the circle. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father, and yet these three are one. It's mind-boggling because we are so used to finite thinking Human thinking, and God is beyond that. He is infinite in all of his ways, but that's how we are to understand God. And Jesus is one of those members of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in this text, we find that Jesus is life and light. I don't know about you, but I am attracted to light. How many of you are attracted to light? Would you raise your hand? I love to watch the sun come up. I love it when the clouds go away and the sun shines brightly. Amen? Can I get an amen today? Cloudy Texas feels like I'm in Seattle, Washington, and I did not sign up for that. I'm glad for the sun coming out. I, I've got a window in my study that faces east, and I love, I love when the sun comes up and I can see the beauty of the sunrise. I like to watch the beauty of the sunset as well. I love the sun. I love to look in the dark skies at night and see the, the lights in the heavenlies. I, I love to see the stars. I love to see the planet. We're attracted to light. Plants are attracted to light, and they literally move along the course of the path of the sun. If you have planted certain kinds of flowers in your backyard, that's exactly what they do. We need light, and we really know we need light when we're in darkness. When I first came here, almost 13 years ago, there was, a, there was an afternoon when I spent some time in this worship center just praying. I was seated right around here in the middle of the worship center all by myself. The lights were on when I came in. At some point, someone turned the lights off. So I'm in a dark worship center that I have not been in very often, okay? I'm trying to figure out which one of these 74 doors do I need to find? Not really 74, let me you're counting. Let's see, is there 74 doors? And then I noticed some light right back here in the center and that light led me to the door. Light is incredibly important. You stumble over everything if you're in total darkness. You need light to help you know where to go. You need light to keep you from stumbling. You need light in order to have real life. And so John says about Jesus, in him was life. 
And the life was the light of men. So today, let's look at Jesus according to John in these ways. Notice the statement today. Kind of keep this in mind. We'll talk about this throughout the message. Jesus is the exclusive and personal source of life and light. He's not only the source, but he's the exclusive source. There is no other. And he is a personal source. He will personally give light to your life. I'm so grateful for that. Extremely grateful for that. So first of all, Jesus is the source of life and light. Look in John 1, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's the line we're looking at. So from that, we conclude that Jesus is the source of life and light. Now, let me just say that this text does not say that Jesus has life, even though he does have it. It doesn't say only that about him, but that he is Literally, life and light. He is light. There's a difference from having something and being something. And Jesus is life and light. And the unique thing about this is, with all the religions of the world, there is a source of light and there is a way that light is communicated, but only in Christianity, only when you follow Christ, do you find the life and light in one person, Jesus. That's what makes Jesus unique from all others that have walked the face of the earth in all of human history. Jesus literally is life and literally is our light. So today, if you want a source for spiritual light, Jesus is that source. If you want direction about where to go, Jesus is that light that gives you that. If you want wisdom, Jesus is the one that shines light on that wisdom. If you want purpose, then that's Jesus you're looking for. And if you're looking for discernment about the rights and wrongs of God, look at the person of Jesus Christ. He's life and he's light. Say, well, those are such simple terms, but in reality, they are comprehensive terms. I mean, life is big. Now, life here in John 1 is not just biological life. There's a Greek word for that. It's bios, which would spell it B-I-O-S, and it means biological life. But there is another word for life that's used here in John 1, 4, and it's zoe, and it literally means the essence of life. It's not just that we have a heart pumping blood inside of our chest. It's not just that we wake up each day with enough energy to go about the day. It's not about that. Jesus is not just a person that gives us physical life, but he gives us meaning in life and purpose of life and essence of life, a reason to get up, a reason to live, a reason to look around and say, I want to live my life with purpose. Jesus is life and light, and he is the source of that. So it's important to see him and to know him and to study his words, it's important because that's the only place you find meaning and purpose in life. You know, it's Mother's Day, and so we, we talk a lot about moms and Mother's Day, and, and every one of us has a mother. And I, I hope that everyone had a mother that was as significant in your life as my mom was in my life. And my mom was an incredible uh, individual that pointed me to the light and life of Jesus. Now, I didn't always obey mom. I didn't always do everything mom said. But I will say this about my mom. My mom lived a consistent life of a true believer and always pointed to Jesus. And I saw that at high points in her life and I saw that at low points in her life. I was with my mom when she passed away after battling cancer for years. And I saw the same life and light in her eyes as she was about to die, pass away from this earth and go be with Jesus as I saw all those years when I was a young boy 
And she was pointing me towards Jesus and towards life and towards life. I'm so grateful for moms who have incredible spiritual imprint on their children's lives. It doesn't guarantee that that child is going to walk with Christ, but it guarantees they know who he is. And let me just say this, moms. Let me say this about anybody. That moms do not find their life and light in their children. And if they do, they're, they're missing the most important life and light there is. They find great importance in their children. But life and light is in Jesus. Above and beyond what any other person can give us. Above and beyond any other purpose we have in life. Moms, dads, young people, singles, married people, whoever you are. Life and light is not in any other place. The only source is Jesus. So simple, so powerful. That without Jesus, though, without Jesus and without light, there is darkness. Now, we find that here in John 1, but if you go over to John 12, 35, Jesus says something else about that. He says to the disciples towards the end of his earthly ministry, for a little while longer, the light is among you. Walk while you have the light. In other words, while it's easy to see me, pay attention to me so that the darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. This is the words of Jesus. If you're walking in darkness, if you're walking without the light of Jesus, you don't have any idea where you're going and you're going to end up in places you don't want to be. And then Jesus goes on and says, while you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. Believe in the light, believe in the source, believe in Jesus is what Jesus is saying to the disciples. Believe in me and you will not walk in darkness. Here's the deal. The gospel of John, all through it shows the climactic battle between light and darkness, between what Jesus reveals as truth and what the darkness causes people to believe. Darkness is always associated with ruin, with unhappiness, with separation from God. Darkness is always associated with death and its finality. And the reason it is, is because darkness in the scripture means life without God. Because life without God is life without light. And when we walk in the darkness, it's incredible how far we get from God. Take your Bibles today, and we don't have this on the screen, but we do have it in our Bibles, Romans chapter 1. I want to show you something that is very relevant to our day. And as you read Romans 1 with me, verses 18 through 23, I want you to see that, that God makes obvious to everybody that's ever walked on planet Earth that He is real, that He created the heavens and the earth, and He can give light, but not everybody accepts this. Romans 1. Verse 18, and I'm going to read all the way through verse 23. Hold on. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. That is, in every person there is the testimony and the witness of the existence of God. But the Bible goes on and says, for God made it evident to them. Verse 24, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature. We talked about the nature of God, one God, three persons. His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Now, what Paul is saying in Romans 1 is in his presence and in his creation of heavens and earth, he reveals that he's God. You can know him through what he has revealed. 
Verse 21. For even though they knew, that is, knew about God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations. And their foolish heart was what? Look at that word. Their foolish heart was, say it with me, darkened. From light to darkness. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Wow. If you keep reading on, you'll see that ramifications are the results of walking further and further from light, deeper and deeper into darkness. And that's what that text says, that darkness is indeed dark. And all around us, there are people walking in darkness. And John says, I want you to not be one of those. I want you to be one of those that sees the light of God through Jesus. And not only does John want us to see the light, he wants us to share the light as well. So Jesus is the source of life and light. If you got that, say amen. All right. Now, secondly, this text says Jesus is the exclusive source, the only source. There is no other. Jesus is the exclusive source. Now, how do we know that? We know that because in verse 9, it says there was that true light, that authentic light, the true light, definite article. In other words, Jesus is pointed out as the only source, the exclusive source of light and light, of all the ideas of light, all the thoughts of light in the whole world, Jesus is the exclusive source of light. You say, well, pastor, what about other religions? Don't they believe that they have some source of light? And they do believe they have some source of light. For example, the Muslims refer to the light of God on Shias, Shias uh, Muslim, believe in what's called nur, which means in the inner sense of inner esoteric understanding inherited from the imams, the holy men of Islam, who can communicate certain light to the people. So they think light exists, but they believe it only exists in the communication from the imams to them about how they ought to live. They do not see God as the source of light. Eastern religions such as Hinduism, and Buddhism emphasized an inner light and that everybody ought to seek that inner light, that inner light through meditation, that inner light through uh, monastic kind of experiences where you're all by yourself and you seek some sort of inner light that will guide you away from the darkness and into the truth. That's what they encourage. And so there's much meditation. There's much uh, activity that centers around that. But they as well do not say that light comes from God because they believe in many gods. Secularism believes that light comes from secularistic and rationalistic truth, that reason is what gives us light. And then there's relativism, where you create your own light, you create your own truth, and yet your truth conflicts with other truth, and you have a big mess, a big mess of confusion, because you believe your truth, and somebody else believes their truth, and therefore, truth has no meaning at all. But the Bible says that Jesus is the true light. The truth and the light. Wow, that's a powerful statement to make about someone who's actually going to live this out over the next two or three years in such an undeniable way that nobody could argue with the fact that he was the true light who came into the world to demonstrate that. Now, let me just share some things with you about what that means, that he's the exclusive source. Let me tell you what Jesus does for us. First of all, Jesus alone reveals God. If you want to know who God is, look at the life of Jesus. John 1, 18, no man has seen God at any time. 
The only begotten God who's in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Jesus explains God. Remember Jesus' conversation with doubting Thomas and Philip and the other disciples that were there in John chapter 14. Where are you going? Can we go? And, uh, and he said, Philip, he said, you've seen me. You've seen the Father. How can you say, where's the Father? I'm showing you where the Father is. I and the Father are one. So he explains God. Jesus alone illuminates truth as well. John 1:14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and, help me here, truth. Jesus is full of truth. Jesus speaks truth. Jesus is truth. So if you want to know about truth, that Jesus alone illuminates truth, which is why it's so critical to read the Bible. So important to zoom in on Jesus' words, to understand his teaching, to peel back layer after layer of what Jesus said so that we can embrace the truth and know the truth. Thirdly, Jesus alone exposes sin. There was an incident in John chapter 8, verse 7, where the Pharisees captured a man and woman in adultery and brought only the woman before Jesus. And they wanted to stone her. And so Jesus speaks with them, he said to them, he who was without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. An amazing moment because Jesus knew their hearts, he knew the circumstance, he knew the situation, he knew deception was going on, he knew lying was going on, he knew the man wasn't there that was in adultery with the woman, if in fact it happened. And so he said, all right, I know your heart so well, you throw the first stone if you're without sin. See, Jesus exposes sin as a manner of life. When you have that kind of light shining on your life, sin's exposed. Today, we have a phrase we use a lot called Christ-likeness. And there is also the other part of that that's unchrist-like. So when someone is living, acting, when they're behaving, when they're relating in such a way that is unchrist-like, basically what's happening is the life of Jesus is shining light on the sin in a person's life. And that's the way it ought to be. Not only are his words revealing sin, but his life reveals sin in our lives. And that's a good thing because only by the revealing of our own sin, by the light and life of Jesus, will we be convinced of it and repent of it and turn of it. So here we have Jesus, who is the exclusive source of light in life. It's incredibly important. Something happens when we come to know Christ that changes the way we see everything. Sometimes I spend a little bit of time on YouTube watching uh, some interesting videos. And one of those videos that I've watched a lot lately has been the video of people who are colorblind and receive brand new glasses that allow them to see colors for the first time. How many of you have seen some of that? Have, how, isn't that amazing how people can go through life and not recognize any colors distinct from the other? A monochrome life, that's what they see. That's just why, the way it is for them. And they've developed a set of glasses when you put it on. You can see the distinction between the colors and all of a sudden colors are lit up. They can recognize red and blue and green and everything else. But the, the real joy is watching someone that's living in a monochromatic world all of a sudden being able to look and see all these vivid colors and the expressions on their face. Everything is brand new. They stare at their hands. They pick a flower and stare at that flower. There's always a bunch of balloons around. They bring the balloon close and say, oh, this is red. Oh, this matches my red shirt. It's an incredible awareness that happens to them. Now, I'm not doing that to advertise the glasses. I'm telling you this. 
When you come to Jesus, you see everything differently. You see truth differently, light differently. You see sin differently because you have come to know the truth. That's why Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Free from not recognizing reality, not recognizing truth, not recognizing true light. And so Jesus is the exclusive source of life. And finally, Jesus is the personal source of life and life. Let me just say this today. It's so important for you to hear this. That for you to come to know Jesus well, you're going to have to let him reveal himself personally and intimately to you, your heart, your mind, your life. It's so important. That would just be a part of a crowd where lots of people say, well, we follow Christ. Be an individual that has been enlightened personally by God. Now, where do I get this? Verse 9 and 10. There is that true light, John said, which coming into the world enlightens every man. The word enlighten here means makes to understand. The word every means all and each. This statement is bold. It's big. It says that the life of Jesus and the light of Jesus is so powerful that every person has been enlightened to some degree where they can make a decision to follow Christ or not. And he enlightens every man. Jesus reveals himself in various ways to everybody. No matter who you are or where you're from, he enlightens I've talked to Muslims who have been enlightened. They're not following Christ yet, but they're having vivid dreams about a person of light and they're asking questions. Who is this person in my dreams that is always dressed in brightness and light? And what is he saying to me? And I've had some incredible conversations with people from other parts of the world, Buddhists and and Muslims of all backgrounds who are saying, who is this person of light? Here's the deal. Jesus can enlighten every person no matter who they are or where they've been from. And he waits for someone who sees him to respond. Mimi Cole is the name of the wife of Ed Cole, our international pastor who's preached here before. She was both Japanese and Chinese in her background, Buddhist. And Jesus enlightened her. Listen to her story. I was raised in a Buddhist family um, because my background is Japanese and Chinese. Um, my mom is really a strong Buddhist. Growing up in that kind of home, what it's like is like, you know, we believe in a lot of superstition stuff. Um, my mom will do anything every day as a ritual to burn incense, to worship ancestors, uh, to follow traditions and all that. So I learned a lot of that kind of stuff until Uh, the year I went to the state uh, for my high school. And just before I graduated from my high school, that's the moment, you know, I have a best friend in high school and helped me to come to know God. I felt as if God is reaching out to me, but I didn't see the need of Him because of my religion. As I'm growing up, I saw my mom doing all these rituals, a lot of good to people, a lot of good work, in hoping that she can go to the next life, in hoping she can make into 
so-called her kind of heaven. Um, but you know, after I came to have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I knew that's the only way and the only life and truth. At the point of um, accepting Jesus, you know, uh, from my best friend asking, you know, to pray for me, it was really hard because I knew my mom, when she find out this, that I convert my faith to Christianity. Basically, they're going to disown me and they're going to disgrace me. But I knew that was that point that at the crossroad, I have to choose what is more important to me. Is it to be afraid of my mom and my family or to move forward with this God? I sent a message back to my mom after I came to know God. And I sent all the Chinese Buddhist Bible, so-called, and the statues that I worship. I pack in a box and I ship it back to Hong Kong. And the moment my mom opened that box and she just said, I lost my daughter. I just lost my daughter. And then after that, it took years. To be restored that relationship, it was hard. It was really hard during that time. But God was the one always encouraged me and comfort me and saying that I'm with you. I never leave you. I never forsake you. I will give you strength to keep going no matter how many battles in front of you. You know, you can do it because I'm with you. That's so powerful. It's so personal. And to Mimi Ko, Jesus is the source. He's exclusive and he's personal. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Would you bow your head for just a moment? Counselors are going to come forward. We're having our prayer time as well as our response time right now. What better way to end the service than in prayer and worship? And today, as we sing about the reckless love of God that comes after every single one of us, no matter who we are, where we're from, and as we pray about the heavy weight in our hearts, whatever it may be, and as we make decisions to let Jesus be the light and the life of our own lives, as we do that, this can be an amazing moment. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask the Lord to speak to hearts in this room today, and I ask you to come and pray, or come and talk to one of these individuals here at the front as we worship. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of knowing Jesus as light and life. Thank you so much for revealing yourself through Jesus. Thank you so much for enlightening people all over the world to come to know you. And Lord, if you can enlighten someone on the other side of the world, why can you not enlighten someone in this room today? Someone who may be far from you, someone who may be confused about life, who may feel they're walking in darkness, and yet today, Lord, you can shine the light in their lives.
and lead them to you. God, I pray today that you'll allow everyone in this room to be free to respond to your enlightening presence today. Thank you, Father, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me?